Big Screen, your movies review and discussion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we're, we're slowly inching our way back to making this a regular weekly podcast as we are, I think, two weeks-ish out from our last episode. That's a fuck ton better than we've been. And as we are gearing up for Oscar season, as Golden Globes have been announced this morning, on the morning of uh, December 13th, uh, we are starting to... See the nominees take shape, seeing the award hopefuls take shape, and we'll slowly start chipping away at the the big old Golden Globes list and making further assumptions at who will be eventual Oscar picks and get into all that fun stuff, which means we'll have to record more regularly if we're going to squeeze all that shit in. Sound good to you, Corwin? <laughs> oh, it doesn't sound bad. Not so bad. How are you? Um, <laughs> good, you? Oh, not so bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> not, a, not a movie, but Letterkenny. Great show. Great people. Uh, so today we're here to talk about two newer films that uh, were not intentionally chosen for any Oscars or otherwise awards buzz, but are newer films nonetheless. And that is the 2020 film Supernova and the 2021 film Last Night in Soho. Uh, Corbin, where would you like to start? You have a um, let's start with uh, the one I saw more recently. Let's start in New York City. Fuck you. <laughs> and that fucking took me a second, too. I was like, oh, you idiot. Now that these are in New York City. And then I was like, oh, bitch. God. Oh, oh he's not just not funny he's an asshole yeah <laughs> all right so we're starting with last true. that's, that's uh, yes that is true last night in soho which was directed by edgar wright it was also written by edgar wright and uh christy with just too many wise christy wilson cairns i guess it stars sure. thomason mckenzie anya anya taylor joy and matt smith uh this film had an estimated budget of uh, 43 million dollars and and a cumulative worldwide gross of 23 million dollars the granted covid which is going to be a caveat we give to all recent films but um still not not what not what you hope for not not what you hope for uh the tagline of this film is a murder in the past a mystery in the future okay sure uh fucking why not uh, this film has no major award nominations thus far, which is interesting because the Golden Globes just got announced. So it, obviously the Oscars nominations haven't come out yet, but this film, no Golden Globes love. It's interesting. Genuinely surprising, regardless of any critique of the film that we will get into. I think this is something that would garner a actress nominee. I won't spoil leading or supporting, but I think it's clear which is which. Uh, this film is about an aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer, but the glamour is not all it appears to be and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something darker. Uh, this was my film. So I'll get started. Uh, all right, so I was excited about this. I got to say. I was very excited about this movie. It looked very stylish, which really just means um, a lot of like neon. And Edgar yeah. Wright directed it. So it's and, and wrote a given. It. Yeah. Um, can I just say before you go into your breakdown, just I love how little you are able to just formulate a poker face at I have any none. given moment. Yeah. I have none. And it's great. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, it, you know, I, I get excited about movies is one of the reasons I, I try not to watch trailers so that I don't ruin movies for myself. So I had no idea what this movie was about coming into it. Um, not a single clue, but I, you know, I like Edgar Wright. I trust Edgar Wright. Wasn't the biggest baby driver fan, but I like pretty much everything else he's ever done. And oh, my God, this movie. I felt great pain having to watch this movie. I thought this was really genuinely a terrible, terrible movie. Um, and it's disappointing I, I, because it started off with such an interest and promising beginning. 
and then just didn't do anything and oftentimes had such wild inconsistency in what it was trying to say, what the characters were doing, what their motivations seemed to be and how things genuinely just kind of tied together. Mm. It, it almost felt like there was a deadline for this film and they were going to make it no matter what. And like it led to fewer work throughs of the script. It led to uh, a lack of concern with, with the ins and outs of the uh, actual motivations, it led to some really fucking bad CGI kind of looking stuff. Uh, mm. Oh man, it it just and we'll get into my complaints as we go forward here, but it it was for me, it was just just not good. Um, Corwin, how did how did you feel? Uh, almost identical. Um, I, I actively had to watch this in two sittings because I was sitting down to to watch it and was just it was clear that I was not going to be in a mood to want to finish this film in any capacity. Um, and yeah, it, there's a very strange lack of explanation. And I really don't mean that in a, Oh, well, they didn't really, you know, give us any indication of, of anything that would happen through the story. So it all just like kind of was a surprise out of nowhere. It's like, no, there was plenty of that, but it, it did it ever like go into why any of this was happening to her? Like in, in any way, was it just kind of a, this is the thing that happens and we're going to accept it so we can watch the story, but so we're not actually going to worry about why you, why now, why in any instance so i for me i assume that ties back to actually one of my very first complaints about the movie which is what the fuck does it matter that her mother died and i assume right. that, that that early scene where she sees her mother in a window is supposed to be indicative that she has some capability to connect with things that are past but that is so underexplored because if that's the case this girl's life is insane, right? Like if she is seeing dead people whenever she is capable of interacting with some part of their death, whether it's a room or her own biology, like she lives, she moves to a major city. There's going to be death, death in every square inch of London because of how long that town's been around for. Like her life would be nonsense. Which they and, even mentioned like the the woman who went oh i guess fucking spoilers alert, go, go like it, yeah. sadie um even mentions like oh this is london yeah, a billion people have died and you know you have no idea how little that narrows it down if someone died in that room but like yeah like i because they don't give any indication whatsoever it's just like okay i assume this is just schizophrenia the movie and there's nothing else to really like it's meant to be a horror film it's advertised it was marketed it was displayed as being like a, a psychological horror and if i'm just watching someone with serious schizophrenia issues for 90 percent of the film that's not scary it's sad yeah it's, when there's no actual way that ties the schizophrenia into anything real where it's not a conversation about the horrors of schizophrenia it's just someone with schizophrenia living their life in a horrible and scary way. Yeah. That's not a horror. Movie. It's just depressing. Right. Like I know it's a cliche of like, Oh, like the teen staying at the cabin. Don't believe that it's a real killer until they see physical proof. It's like, yeah, I get not wanting to play into every movie cliche that, you know, defines a trope. But at the end of the day, there wasn't anything physical that proved that this was, anything other than a mentally ill girl who just happens to be seeing these things without any other indication that something is going on. And so, that was pretty much it for me. Like it doesn't matter how good visually the film worked. It doesn't matter how good, you know, these two female actresses were. It, I, I don't care you know, if you I know, would the, say the twist visually, was satisfying at the end. Like, I don't care even if any of those things were true, which some were, some weren't. It just, it's a bad movie to watch. Like, I just didn't enjoy it. Oh my God. It's, well, it's a horrible viewing experience. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that as well. Like, the, the 
quality of the film is obviously good, but their effects all around are so bad. What they were going for with every single effect, the the dead uh, men that are often appear look, oh my God, like the mummy returns quality bad um, or Scorpion King or whatever that fucking Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie was. Uh, um, that's the mummy Two: return of the scorpion king whatever or something to that extent <laughs> the mummy 96 <laughs> look at them scorpions uh <laughs> the effect with like the knife where she saw her eyes in the knife as it was stabbing like that was awful so much of it was bad so much of it was so bad but even the viewing experience because so frequently either scenes felt like carbon copies of other scenes in the movie or the motivations for characters would just be so wild that what they were doing just made absolutely no sense. And like, let's start with one of the most irritating ones for me, which is uh, the the guy, the, the the main love interest, if we can even call it that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not not Matt Smith. The the, the love interest for uh, Tristan or Thomason uh, McKenzie. What's what's his actual name? Um, John. John, played by Michael Ajao. I'm I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Um, that character is fucking stupid as shit. I'm not yeah. saying the man and his actions specifically. I mean, the way they set that character up is beyond ridiculous. He is he is stalking that girl and he really should be giving up on trying to be with her after all the shit that she puts him through. And there are zero redeeming qualities of Thomas and McKenzie's character that would even lead him to be continually interested in her in the first place. And yet, no matter what she fucking does to him, he keeps crawling back, not for any actual reason, just because the plot demands it. You know, I can't even like if that was the one thing to be upset about. Sure. But like, I'm going to go. all. I can accept an 18 year old being bad at relationships his first time in college so quickly compared to the other shit that goes on so like that's such a non-issue for me oh i don't know i well for, for me that's a big issue because none of none of this film actually was able to contain the, the motivations of any of the characters in any type of way that made any actual sense like they, they they needed that guy to continue to be interested in her so that he could be upstairs to freak out sadie old lady sadie um mm-hmm. to, to old lady sadie old lady sadie so 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 that you know you could have the she could have the moment where she relives part of it you know her memories and all that shit and and what i'm saying is that that's indicative of the way this entire film goes none of the characters motivations tie back to anything i mean this dude gets stabbed in the gut somehow lives and then still is like yeah oh, I come think on don't you remember reservoir cool. dogs that shit takes so long She's no, but like he goes, no, he goes back to her. He was like, ah, oh, yeah, it was a wild fucking wacky ass night, wasn't it? So crazy. Yeah. Can't believe it. Like this man. So, like lost those so much ghosts blood. were all just like real. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but so, one of the, the I, th- I think like the major things for this film is like really the whole middle part of this movie is just a constant repetition of scene, which is to say uh, Thomas and McKenzie would see a flashback of the 60s of uh, Anya Taylor-Joy mm-hmm. and you know she would follow her along down her path of the tough to say self-destruction but, uh, destruction we'll say and then she'll wake up after something jolting happens she'll attend what looks like five minutes of class get spooked bolt out the door yeah she just has the one class uh, right right that no one no one cares about um and apparently they work on one project all semester. Yeah, good fucking luck. Uh, and then this is like the course of a week again. Like that's a non-issue. I don't give a shit about. Like I don't care if they only show one class or one project. It's like there's so much other shit. No, I, I, I again, I, I know. Um, <laughs> and and then she would go do like a thing, and then it would just repeat the cycle. And that was the whole middle part of the film. And if we're being honest. The scenes with Anya Taylor-Joy never really got interesting because there was no. never any stakes involved. You never knew what was supposed to be happening. When you first no. intro- are introduced to those scenes and Thomas and McKenzie comes out with a hickey, you go, oh, at some point she is going to be able to physically interact with this world. And then that never happens. 
And then you go, oh, maybe this ends up being like her mother and she learns something about herself. And then after that, it goes, no, fuck that. It's a murder mystery. And you're trying to figure out who murdered her because she sees her get murderized. And then it says, nah, fuck that. That was a lie, even though every other scene we'd seen in the 60s safe place already had been true. That one was a lie. And she was the killer. And every single time you spend a moment in the 60s, it is for an ulterior motive or to establish some level of plot or mechanics for the rules of this universe that the next time you enter the 60s immediately throws away. It's wild. See, like you're digging into this at a deep structural, you know, world building or, or film building, you know, lens where like at the very least you can look at this just without your glasses on just squinting at it from across the room and it's like mm, i can only see like the spine of the dvd cover not even in blu-ray that's that's got enough red flags on it for me where like this is enough there's so many just like surface level shit i just there's basically all I'm saying is there's a billion ways to look at this. And a lot of them just have a lot of bad. It's not like there was any one thing that was spectacular. Right, right. Every, every phase of this is awful in its own way. Uh, just to rattle off a few more before we kind of move into the ending, which I guess is the biggest part of this movie. Uh, the fact that she moves into this house is wild. The, the fact that she had to make a stop at that dorm, which I did she just get out of like a lease? I don't know how the fuck that would even work. That's wild. Why not just have her go to the house in the first place? Um, again, Man, all that, the rules of everything. Go ahead. See that what? roommate of hers was enough to just make me turn off the movie the first time I sat down to watch this. Like I could not deal with that character. And I know that's 90% of me thing, but like, oh my God, you are just the worst person I've ever been around. Which again, uh, I'm accepting of that being the point of because, the character, but, but like bad enough that for you to move out after one night. Eh. Like that's the part I don't get. She moved out after one night. It might have been two nights. <laughs> like it's a big difference. Yeah, regardless. They they have a, a subplot where uh, they think maybe she got her or her drink drugged at a party that never never didn't turn into back anything. up she almost killed one of her classmates in front of all of her other classmates that didn't matter at the end of the movie nope um the fact that one of how the, is she not in prison i know the fact that one of the uh characters in the 60s plot that she is also following in, in, in the 60s flashbacks is one of her bar customers completely irrelevant to the the rest of the movie again wild um but all of that, and like Corwin says, all of it's bad. It's no one individually horrible thing. All of it's bad. That's just name a few things. But then let's get into the end of the movie, because this is the part of, of you know, act three is where it really just fucking goes off the goddamn rails. So she sees a, uh, a flashback vision thing where it appears as though um, Anya Taylor-Joy, what's her real fucking Sandy? has been murderized. And so she goes to the police and was like, I think I've seen a murder back in the 60s. And they're like, you're fucking kooky. And okay. we seriously need to get you some mental health help. Like, this is bad. Right. The police then go to the house because she said that's where it takes place. And that's also where she currently lives. And then the old lady, Mrs. Collins, uh, says, oh, the police are sniffing around. Can't have the police sniffing around. And gives her a, a, a poison tea, poison tea, the most British way to kill somebody. It's it's time to drink the poison tea. And that's when you she just reveals, can't take the murder out of old English women. You know, no, nope. she went through the blitz. She doesn't have no fucks to give. I guess she probably would have been alive for the blitz. It'd be right there. Yeah, it depends on the, she'd be right there. It'd be close. Yeah. <laughs> depend, depend when in the 60s. She Which, heard oh, some great stories, at least. How about this? That? Is this is so incredibly minor, but it bugged me to no end. Which is the fact that 
Thomas and Mackenzie was already into the 60s before she showed up at the house and the flashback, right? Like the flashback also brought her back to the 60s. Like if, if Edgar Wright just wanted a vehicle to play a bunch of 60s music, there was already that in the plot. You didn't need to add the character trait to Thomas and Mackenzie of she also is big into the 60s. Like it just feels so stupid. Oh, but look how good I made these characters all fit together. It's like a big puzzle. Yeah, like what are the chances? It's but, a puzzle and, without any of like the cut-ins. Like it's just a bunch of squares. And also, and piece, a couple pieces sense. missing, <laughs> and it forms fucking nothing. But anyway, so she poisons her. The pieces Poison. are all from different puzzles. <laughs> and then, and then it's when we learned that um, Sandy didn't get murdered. She's alive, and she's Mrs. Collins. And the vision that we saw where she died was a lie. <laughs> from something somehow and then we see the truth which is that she murdered all the guys and all the 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 ghouls and spirits that were visiting thomas and mackenzie eloise i gotta start saying character names that were visiting eloise were, were actually asking for her help to uh take their to help their souls be able to go to hell i guess or whatever unclear and that's when Thomas and Mackenzie is like, or then then the 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 boyfriend guy comes in, he gets stabbed in the stomach, and <laughs> Diana Riggs is like, I gotta I gotta kill one more man before I go. Uh, mm. and that sequence alone, I guess, is supposed to have some emotional weight to it. I, I guess I think the idea of it is uh, Sandy takes back her agency and instead of just getting fucked, she is going and, and being Literally. forced into a world of sex work. Yeah. You know, she is going to reclaim her power, her physical dominance by killing people. And I, I don't think, first of all, I don't think that's the real like girl power kind of plot line that Edgar Wright might think it is because I mean, it's bad to do that. It is. And, and, and because she also, as far as I can tell, got forced into the world of sex work. That mm-hmm. is not the John's fault necessarily. They're obviously enabling it, but like well, if you're going to kill anybody, did. wouldn't you kill the pimp? Which she, she does, did but walk in there asking for that job. Well, it's not like she was like picked up on the street and you know, you're a sex worker now. It's like, hey, I want to work here. I guess she, she didn't, didn't want to do that. She right, wanted she to be the know, singer. Yeah, she didn't okay. know that's what it was. Yeah. So she did get coaxed into Touché. it, but at the same time, it's like I I Going the full other way and saying that all Johns who seek sex work are wrong seems to defeat the premise of sex workers having agency and showing that that's a legitimate thing for women who actually want to engage in that uh, practice to to have that legitimacy. I I think he's really missing a layer of I am one for the legalization of sex sex work. work. So, I, I, you know. I guess you make a very good point that I agree with. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a weird point that Edgar Wright is is making there because it doesn't feel fully fleshed out. And then for her to in the next breath essentially go murder a completely innocent man, um, also completely detracts from the even kind of dodgy point he was trying to make in the first place, which is the here are people who did things wrong. And she needed to physically dominate them in order to regain some of herself and her own agency. Uh, but here she goes killing again. Uh, oh boy, so that here she, I go killing again. Just so that she doesn't get caught. Because it's convenient. Because it's more convenient for her to do that than uh, shoo him away or something. Like, it, it really, sure. whatever, whatever point he was trying to make got thrown completely out of the window when that happened. So... <sighs> Unless you want to, you know, have anything to say before we keep going with this ending. No, I forgot that there's more left. Yeah, yeah, because you'd think, you'd think that's the end. No. <laughs> um. So she, Ellie, 
manages to like get up. They they fight a little bit. Uh, a cigarette lights on fire a box of records, which is oh my god! Like so, Kramer burned down uh, the cabin. About a cigar, yes. Uh, it's mm. so. I'm assuming they're going with the the vinyl. Um, because it has petrol in it, probably worked as a, an accelerant. But that's, I think, I was very... really hoping it was just a Seinfeld reference. Uh, I, I, I think it was the the '60s are a time of destruction, and this was this was them fighting back. The '60s are fighting back. But anyway, runs upstairs, and all the spirits of Sandy's victims are like telling Ellie, like. <laughs> help and at that point i was Hold like fuck on. you fuck you. they're like Ooh, help us we actually so, were begging for help this whole time so oh. cringingly fucking stupid so then uh sandy runs upstairs the house is a blaze and ellie looks at sandy who is now a murderer <laughs> in her eyes and goes ah oh, no i get it now <laughs> and also, sandy she, doesn't ahead. she still knock to be like can i come in i i don't remember if you say that so you've seen it more recently than me so sure um so so sandy in there and, and ellie are in the room and they come to like a mutual understanding that like ah the murders were fine <laughs> and then sandy goes you gotta get out of here you got to save the guy I just stabbed because he's dying. I also guess this poison wasn't strong enough to really affect you. <laughs> I'll just stand here and die for no reason. I was powerful enough to climb the steps and theoretically to murder you up here. But now <laughs> I am too weak to descend the steps <laughs> to save my own life. So you got to go save the guy I just stabbed because he's having a rough time. <sighs> it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. I miss when they would get Cornettos. Yeah, right. Such a simple time. <laughs> I miss the ice cream. I think we should just go to the Springfield, have a pint, and wait for this whole thing to blow over. Winchester. The Winchester. I knew it was the name of the gun, and I was like, I don't remember which one it was. Oh, I'm my God. Pick one. Sorry, I totally forgot about this part. I'm reading through some of the plot points to make sure I don't miss anything. Sandy tries to slit her own throat, and then Ellie stops her as like, a, you don't have to do it. I get why you did everything. And then Sandy proceeds to just sit on the bed and get engulfed and in flames. Anyway. Like, like, like yeah. dying from immolation is better than dying from uh, a, a slit carotid artery. And it it's like, no oh, I cut I you on your hand. I get it now. I got that cut. Oh, it's all come together. It's yeah. just, yeah. I'm, and then I'm really it done ends talking about this with a happy <laughs> ending as she's at the fashion show and she made a bunch of dresses and grandma's there and she's dating John and and Sandy's Always there again look too. On the bright side of life. And everything was okay. So that's oh, I, yeah, we've exhausted there's uh, so much. What if more this was just can- a whole comedy, but we were the subjects, and Edgar Wright is truly the best comedy director of all time. So you, what do you think Andy Kaufman directed this? Yes, um, um, this was an Andy Kaufman callback joke without a punchline. There's so much more we could get into about how outlandishly stupid this to. movie was. But I, yeah, we're, we're so gonna... over this movie. Yeah, we'll do final <laughs> ratings and reviews. Uh, I'll start. This literally could not be worse for me. I, I don't I don't particularly think even like Thomas and McKenzie gave a good performance. I think Anya Taylor-Joy did fine enough, but most of her job was to stand there and kind of just model 60s dresses. Like, it wasn't... It's not like she had to do a lot. And they asked Thomas and Mackenzie to do a lot, but most of it was incoherent. When she was mumbling her lines, I couldn't fucking understand anything she was saying. And it really didn't come off having any actual conviction. The plot itself was garbage. She screamed 
she screamed really well. So that honestly yeah. is why I think she would get a nomination. It felt like a very awesome young actress. Movie. Very good at screaming. Yeah. Let's Scream get you on queen. stage, girl. Uh, all the men characters are portrayed as as just blanketly evil, Awful. which is not an interesting way to portray the the problems with, you know, like uh, patriarchal society or, you know, mm-hmm. white masculine issues like that's oh, not man. a man. I know we suck like. Yeah, I like make it, it more compelling like this. That, that It's like Edgar Wright just learned like he took his first feminism course and was like, oh, my God, this is how it really is. I have to. Does everybody else know? <laughs> like this film might have had a, a relatively oh, prescient point in like 1998. Um, but congrats, buddy. You missed the boat by fucking a quarter of a decade. And this shit's stupid as fuck. We've moved on. Um, and it, it, it's like we talked about with not um, even that we moved on. We've gotten so much better at portraying it like. Ugh. Right. It, it, it's like a similar point as, as I was trying to make when we were talking about Fight Club, which is this kind of like raw nihilism uh, in a in a like masculine kind of uh, assertive way had a place in the 90s when that film first came out. But it, it lost a lot of its meaning as we progressed in a philosophical sense as as a people trying to remove ourselves from a corporate world. But, but at least the movie's still movie. fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. At least the movie's still good. Like we've moved on from this philosophy. But hey. Movie's fun. In this yeah. instance, we moved on from soap. this philosophy and this movie you sucks balls. <laughs> you learn how to deal with a lie burn, like educational. Yes, yeah, fun for the whole anything. family. Uh, so I, I give I give this one star out of five. How about you? Uh, I'm going to give it a one. And I think that if you saw this in theaters and it was really dark and you smoked a little bit beforehand. I think this would be a very scary psychological movie that you could watch um, and get $6 worth of enjoyment out of. Um, that's, that's the demographic for me. That's about it. That's all I got. Yeah. So let's talk about our, our second movie of the day, which is 2020's super Nova which was even uh, scarier of a subject dementia our second movie about That's dementia not even in the last joke. calendar year so much scarier just yeah yeah um this was written and directed by harry mcqueen uh this stars colin firth stanley the tooch tucci and <laughs> pippa haywood that's a fucking hilarious name pippa haywood pippa um, haywood pippa haywood that's the third build Actress Pippa. Hey, and that's a very English name. Anyway, uh, this film, I don't have an estimate of budget offhand. No, I don't. Uh, based on actor salaries alone, though, I'm going to guess it's probably pretty high. Um, I have a cumulative worldwide gross here of $3.4 million, which is not a lot, but this is also an English film. I'm sure it had a smaller release than, than you know, this isn't a Marvel movie. Um, but I also can't imagine that the budget of this was less than, you know, three and a half million dollars. So, yeah, uh, this also has no Golden Globe nominations. Um, it has really no other nominations of awards we would care a- a- about. That doesn't necessarily mean much of anything. Uh, it could get Oscars buzz. We have no idea. But yeah, not um, nothing big for this. It is about uh, Sam and Tusker are traveling across England in their old RV to visit friends, family, and places from their past. Since Tusker was diagnosed with dementia two years ago, their time together is the most important thing they have. Corwin, this was your pick, so why don't you get us started? Um, I'll be honest. You can't really go wrong with any movie Stanley Tucci is in. That's the very basis of cinema knowledge and understanding. There is a minimum bar that is already going to su- supersede uh, last night in Soho just for the appearance of Stanley Tucci. Uh, is this a fact that can be agreed upon by the governing body of this podcast? Like, you know how when you're playing Settlers of Catan and you get uh, <laughs> Weirdly, two yes. points, you get two points just for having the longest road. Uh, that's mm-hmm. Stanley Tucci. You get plus two just just for having the tooch. If you haven't played Settlers of Catan, 
play it. It's really fun. It's really a good fun game. Time. Anyway, um, I think this was this was genuinely a film that I saw the trailer for in the theaters and immediately was just I need to see this film this just I don't really know much about it from the trailer other than one of them is sick and they're on a road trip but I need to see this film like this is just something that looks like I'm going to fall in love with and for the most part i did you know i genuinely think that my opinion of it and my score of it is probably going to be higher than what you would give it or you know a normal person just going to the movies just i don't know let's go watch a romantic comedy is gonna give it just because of how much i genuinely love this film but i think it just does a really great job of digging into just the emotions of the situation presented i don't think that it's a widespread you know pandemic of of how to deal with loved ones who have dementia i don't think that's a very large i i feel like i'm just saying this because we just talked about like the mistreatment of women in the 60s and the entire decade and now we're talking about a very niche subject but i think they still portray that excellently and i just love the relationship these two men share and kind of how they explore it and the way and the depth that they're able to explore just the fears of two people in a relationship and what it means to be in a relationship and then knowing it's going to end in a very awful and immediate way yes yeah your response to my word soup sir so i Enjoyed this movie. I want to give it a good score at the end when we get there. Um, I think Firth and Tooch kill it and do a phenomenal fucking job. I found, I'll put it this way. I, I, I think I found the acting very compelling. I'm not sure I found really the, the, the story itself very gripping. And it's, again, a little bit because it feels like I've seen some version of this movie done before. And the fact that it's a gay couple obviously makes it a bit different. And, you know, the fact that there's different diseases one can have a prolonged death from makes it a little bit different. And I think the ending itself was, was, was so well done. And, and that's really, really hit hard, you know, but I, I couldn't help but watching a lot of this movie and thinking to myself like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're talking a lot. It's a talky movie. Uh, we were they're they're talking a lot. Oh, that's that's sad talking, and it's tough because it's the 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 actors themselves are doing a phenomenal fucking job, and uh, it's not. I have no issue with the dialogue itself. I have no issue with the way it's being presented. I have no issue with the way that the film. Like, I don't have any plot based issues. It's it feels like a presentation of a life situation that I've seen already from other, other films and, and other mediums that I'm not sure I'm squeezing the same amount out of as I would have, if I'd seen this movie a decade ago. And I think that for me is what makes this like, again, if I, if I had seen this movie in 2011, I think this movie would have been huge for me. But in the last decade, we've gotten a lot more of really like this type of, of film where, you know, it's a very intimate portrayal of the hardships of aging, the hardships of illness. We've gotten it from all walks of life too. I mean, they've made so many, what, like John Green novels or whatever into, into movies, you know, with the, um, like the stars and shit, the, the, uh, long walk movie bullshit. Uh, she's dying of cancer. Look at she's dying of cancer. The whole movie. It's very fucking sad. And, what makes it like I want to compare this movie, maybe unfairly, but I'm going to compare this movie to The Father, which we talked about last Oscar season, which also you know was a conversation about dementia and how that affects the fam- you know the, the the family around the the person who's afflicted and all those same types of ideas, but really did so presentationally in a very different way. And that's what made it such an amazing film. Because if we're talking pound for pound performance. What Anthony Hopkins did in that film, 
and what Tooch and Firth are doing here. I, I mean, we're all neck and neck here. Well, didn't Is the Tooch, man Tooch win and Firth, Best Actor? I believe he did. And I think Tooch and Firth okay. killed it here. That's what, no, that's what I'm saying. I think they both did a phenomenal fucking job here. Like, I'm saying that it's all like, you know, like for like there. But it's it's how they show it in a way that's not just, you know, that's individual slice of life, I think, is what makes that film had such the great impact as compared to this one, which really, really packed a wallop at the end. But for most of it, I'm not sure landed the way it would have for me if it had come out a decade prior. I can absolutely, you know, concede the idea that this is not nearly the quality of film and performance that Anthony Hopkins gave in The Father, which he did flawlessly flawlessly throughout. But I don't think it's fair to basically have the criticism of on one hand, yes, it's portrayed differently and arguably better in the father, but well, it didn't have the portrayal of Anthony Hopkins. And it's like, I'm not going to hold that against them because fuck, that was a really great performance that you don't really get every year, let alone, you know, in every film. I do think the being able to see this film from the perspective of a father daughter relationship and the kind of strain that taking care of someone with this illness leaves with its you know the people surviving them and you know the loved ones in their life versus the dynamic of being the closest loved one their life partner someone they've spent you know every day of the last 50 years with and not quite reaching that point but approaching it because i mean with the father we were there in the midst of it and yes we saw it it turned worse and we saw it, you know, extrapolate, but this is when there still is that person there and you're just waiting for that moment to come. And it's kind of why I'm, I'm not going to say I, I like this nearly as much as the father. I mean, the father was a near perfect film. Um, I may have even given it a five because it definitely deserved it but I don't think it should be held to a lower standard solely because it wasn't the perfect film that was recently released with the general, generally same subject matter. No. So I understand what you're saying. And that is not my point. My, my point is that a film that presents essentially the con the concept of grief, which is what yes. this movie is really about in a form that is just the slice of life leading up to the moment and the grappling therein of having to handle grief can only get it. it it's a limitation is what I'm trying to say. Dialogue mm-hmm. can only ever be so perfect and mm-hmm. acting can only ever be so perfect. And what often separates really well done films from great films is what they're capable of doing beyond excellent dialogue and great acting performances. And that's my comparison with the father because both these films have those things. Both these films have great acting performances and excellent dialogue. It's the presentation of the father and how they actually show the damage and the grief to the family and the way that they employ editing in the way that they Im- 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 employ their, their effects and the way that they move throughout the film with their cinematography that this film does not do because it wants to show, I would assume anyway, if I was to guess from inside the director's mind, it wants to show uh, a more linear, therefore intimate uh, journey. Uh, right. It, you're, you're along for the ride. You're witnessing the conversation. You're literally along for the ride. You're riding bitch in the back for most of the shots. Right. And the problem is every every method of filming has its limitations. And the good acting dialogue slice of life in linear fashion movie 
has the limitations that dialogue only gets to be so good and mm-hmm. acting only gets to be so good. And both of no, these I, were I, really fucking good. And I mean it really fucking good. But I agree with you 100%. That's all right. I was going to say. It's just okay. like, yep, that's exactly it. And that's the thing. I, and I know Cor and I just complained about last night in Soho. I have no real complaints with this. Like no. literally none. Not a single. I like we're we're gonna mm-hmm. finish this conversation about this movie, and I'm going to recommend it too, because I thought it was so good. It, it's it's really a conversation about. It's also you know a little bit for me like how what we look for in film changes over time. Because like if you look at movies that came out in like the 30s and 40s, a lot of them have similar ways in which they're shot, and that leads to nostalgia when we look back at it now. But also, if you try to make it in that way, like they did with the artist, which I know won Best Picture, and it really should have. Oh my god, that movie's so fucking annoying. Um, like it's fucking annoying. Like it's fucking annoying, and it feels like you're doing something. And there's there's a progression that leads out of that because part of the goal of any artistic medium is growth and doing something differently look at the way superhero movies have changed in the last 15 years they're unrecognizable i mean they're so fucking look at the difference between blade then the way that was done and literally like any superhero movie today or especially the way fucking batman has changed since like michael keaton it's not even close and it's it's partly because there are no ex- more nipples on the bat suit yeah, Clooney's nipples are no longer erect in perpetuity, and part of that is obviously because we we have a, a shift in what we think of our uh, you know artistic representation, but it's also a, a shift in uh, or a growth in storytelling and how we're going to to tailor these stories for future people. No one no one wants to tell a story that's already been told. I'm not saying that this does, but that also means that you have to do different weird shit or you're going to have to find a different way to represent the ideas that you want to tell otherwise we'd all just be making the same movie forever yep i don't know how many years i got left so i'm gonna get weird with it thank you mr devito (laughs) so in regards to the ending because i guess we we that's really the i mean do you have stuff that you want to talk about in the middle i i don't no i don't um, the movie really it's it's a lot of conversation between Firth and and Tooch, you know, and, and it's a lot of love bickering and and you know, sympathy and trying to navigate the 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 fact that Tooch has dementia and really wants to be able to do things and, and can't do certain things. And you know, you get the idea if you've seen things like this and talking to family and you know, Colin Firth has to give a speech. At a, at, a dinner, at a dinner party because Tucci can't can't read or hold the paper anymore. The word text is too small, whatever the issue was physically that he couldn't do it, all that. Get to the end of the movie. It's the smudging of words. You can't really, like your vision goes. Right. Thank you. Um, and you get to the end and uh, Firth uncovers a, a recording that, that Tucci had made essentially saying, um, I plan on killing myself because I don't want you to have to take care of me when I have dementia. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want this. Like I, I, I don't want to age with this essentially. Mm-hmm. And they have a huge argument about it. And there is a love scene. And then the next day, um, Firth says, like, all right, if if that's what you want, I want to be there. But if that's what you want, I'm good. Can I say before we move on, I had a genuine, like, when that love scene came on, I looked away and was like, man, am I homophobic for not watching this sex scene? And I didn't watch it. But I have to admit, I'm I'm not worried. Am I am I homophobic? Uh, it could also be that they are two very old men. <laughs> that was that was the exact thing that I came with. Of like, I don't think I'd want to watch this if this was two sixty year old women. 
Okay. No. I'm, also, I'm okay with fact, this. I'll move on with my life. The fact that we were supposed <laughs> to accept that one of the men, his physical capabilities are severely in question. Hey, hey maybe when we get to that point, that type of stuff doesn't matter. The consent's all there, but man, it also felt super weird for that reason too. Yeah. All can right, imagine, moving imagine, on. Can you imagine fucking with someone with dementia and like in the middle, they ask you who you are? Like that'd be fucking horrifying. Could you imagine fucking Stanley Tucci? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do often. Hey, Tucci, bring out the olive basis. oil. I'm slipping in. Search for Italy. I'm searching for that ass, Stanley. <laughs> oh, God. oh, man. That wax just go on your head? <laughs> oh, <God>. Okay. <laughs> I want to see my I reflection do. in the back of your head, bitch. All right, I'm done. I no longer know how to continue. <laughs> oh, man. Tooch. Classic Tooch. That wily little bitch. Um, so anyway, and then the, the film ultimately concludes with, with, with Firth playing, uh, I think it's like a, a, a concert, right? It's an actual concert. It seems to be, yes. I, I think, and that was part of the conversation throughout the film is people kept, Tucci was a writer uh, and and uh, Firth was a was a pianist, but he hadn't been playing in forever and it was like when's your next show when's your next show and it doesn't feel on it and now he has he has a, a feeling or an emotion or something that he needs to get out of him and oftentimes music is the way that uh people who are musically inclined say get this the fuck out of me and and that was his it was his concert uh and i i think the conversation around i don't, I don't know maybe what the right word is because it's not necessarily physician assisted suicide, but like uh, uh, suicide for for medical reasons um, has become a relatively popular idea recently. But definitely Among something certain circles. I, I right. More popular good faith considered but, more yeah. popular, I guess I should say. Uh, and so, some states have started like, you know, adding actual laws about medically assisted suicide um, for physician assisted suicide. But it, I, I do not think I've like had to actually see that conversation play out, and that's where I, I was saying like you know the ending's really uh, a gut punch because it's like you totally get at least I do I totally got what what Tucci was going for, but to have to see you know Colin first kind of have to reckon with that and then accept it because I think all of us removed from the situation would say. Yeah, if I'm going to be a, a walking pile of bones that doesn't know where I am or who anybody is, and it's a constant pain for everybody in my life to have to look at me, I mean, like chop my head off and throw it in the river. Uh, yeah. But that's very easy to say when you're healthy and young and not when you're, honestly, Tucci's still fucking young in this. It's not like he's fucking 80. Um, but regardless, when that's not, not the same when you're older and are in a loving relationship and actually have to really have that conversation. Um, and so it was really quite a lot to see how, how did you feel with it yeah i mean it was definitely like i cried during this movie like it was a very emotional process to even witness let alone you know like putting yourself in their shoes <coughs> excuse me imagining what that conversation was like and what like just doing your best to immerse yourself in it was like fuck i i don't want to be here i want to i want to not be in this position and thankfully i'm glad i kind of forced myself to kind of stay in it because like i feel like i took more away from it because of that but oh man that was that was a heavy conversation i just do not envy having and i think the fact that it is tucci and, and firth they just did an amazing job doing it they yeah i mean apparently these two are like best friends in real life which I, I think really helps add to you know the on-screen chemistry, which is required for this movie to work. And which it does, because again, their chemistry in this is insane. And oh God, because like it, it, especially with big emotionally charged scenes, sometimes it can really feel like two actors are acting at each other. Like, I am doing everything I can to win this Oscar. I'm doing everything I can to win this Oscar, too. Uh, 
and this didn't feel like that at all. Like, like it, it, it really, really felt like they were going through it um, because they these two have such a rapport already that um, I, I think really aided in their ability to have an honest communication without having to force really anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing about this film seemed forced. No, absolutely nothing. Especially and- the lovemaking. <laughs> smooth like butter oh god and it you know it, it and again when you're presented with an idea that that's as weighty as that is for for the first time uh, or at least when you're when you're not necessarily expecting it much like the ending to like million dollar baby will say it, it, it can it can be a gut punch because you're not prepared for that and then you have to sit there and think to yourself, oh, fuck, what would I do? Oh, no. Oh, what what, what if my grandpa has to, asks me to, to be cool with him with him killing himself? I don't like that question at all. That's fucking horrible. Um, and and that's what good. art, But that's also what good art does. It, it at, makes you answer a question that maybe you hadn't considered or weren't necessarily looking to, to answer for yourself. In that moment, and this film does a really good job of, of I mean, making it as as painful and poignant as it really can. Completely agree, one hundred percent. So, shall we move into final ratings and reviews, or would, do you have anything else you'd like to add about this one? Um, I'm ready to go into final ratings and reviews. Other than was, Stephen Tucci, I hope you never stop asking acting. This was your film, buddy. So you go ahead and get started. Oh. I, I genuinely I don't a hundred percent remember what I gave the father, but if that was a five, this is a four and a half. If I gave that a four and a half, I'll give this one a four. I feel like it's just at the end of the day, it is far too similar of a film to not kind of compare directly like we did. Um, and I think it's just one half step behind that. All right, I'm with you. I, I'm going to give this uh, I'm probably going to end up giving this a three and a half because this is very good. And I'm also probably never going to watch it again. And that's not because it's of the overwhelming feeling of sadness. Um, <laughs> we do watch those movies plenty. We, we do. Uh, but it's because and, and again, whether it's fair or unfair, who gives a fuck I'm, to compare this movie to The Father? Here we go. Um, I feel like I'm going to get more out of those rewatches than I will this. And it's tough for me to look at a movie that I'm probably never going to watch again because I don't feel the need to and and give it something super duper high. So I'm gonna, three and a half feels really. Yeah, I feel it feels right in my soul. If, it, if that's there anyway. Completely agree. All right, big buddy. Shall we uh, pick out next week's flicks? Yes, we can. I'm going to go with an old classic that I wish I saw many years ago. The Japanese film Akira. All right. All right. Akira. Yeah, that's a. Have I seen that? Oh, man. Who knows? We'll find out. That would be fun <laughs> if I have if no have. Uh, who cares? Yeah. All right. Great. Akira. I am going to uh, start taking from the list of of flicks that we have um, to get ready for Oscar season. I will probably end up running it the same way we ran it last time, which is picking a bunch of the low number Oscar nominated flicks and working our way up to a bunch of the higher ones so that we do the the um, more heavily nominated films closer to the awards themselves and I so I will be going with uh, Annette 2021's Annette which is currently nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress for Marion Cotillard um, I'm excited to see a Marion Cotillard film because I have not seen anything she's done in a little while and uh, I'm oh, happy yeah. she's making the rounds that sounds really dirty. Annette? No, just I'm really glad she's making the rounds. Oh, well, I am. Uh, Touche. 
you might know Marion Cotillard from Inception. She was also phenomenal in a film called Two Days, One Night. Which Did she win an Oscar for that? I don't know. I'm a Googling. No, she was nominated for Two Days, One Night, but she did win an Oscar in 2008 for um, the film La Vie en Rose, uh, which is about Edith Piaf. But anyway, great actress. I'm very excited to see her doing some, some cool stuff again. So uh, that's 1998's Akira. Sorry, 1988's, I should say, Akira for Corwin and the 2021 current Golden Globe nominee film, Annette. Check him out before next week or don't don't give a fuck. Lick 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 my balls. <laughs> okay. Alright, well, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, I don't know why you would, you can do so at Big Screen Juice. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. And if you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicingbigscreen at gmail.com. And until next week, I think I cannot tell. Um, y'all have a good one. Bye.